find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a primetime edition of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and I just want to let you know that tomorrow is the season finale of Draft on Tap with Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski. They'll go over all of the draft picks, uh, all of the undrafted free agents they've been able to get tape on, and that's actually what we're going to do today. Greg Gabriel is going to pop onto the screen here in any second. There he is, ah, and he is, is going <laughs> to talk about undrafted free agents and also handle all of your questions. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Hey, I, I got to tell you, I was on WGN Sunday night with uh, mm -hmm. Jared. I mean, you know, they taped it a little earlier. I, it was probably two minutes for all I know. I didn't see it. Um, but they were supposed to plug this. Whether they did or not, who knows? <laughs> Jared Payton is a great guy. I have uh when he was doing a different show at one of the cable stations, I was a guest of his and he was a sweetheart of a guy and he's promised to come on very soon to talk to us on the Dan and Aldo show because Dan Aguirre is a huge fan of Walter Payton, so we're going to get into it uh in, a, in about a month or so. But uh what about you? What have you been doing the last 40 48 hours since we last met? <laughs> I'm, I'm working on next year. Mm. So you've you already know, started scouting. I've got probably somewhere between one. I, I haven't counted, but I'm going to say between 125 and 150 done. Oh, done wow. off of last year. Now you're going to have sure. to redo them right. once the season starts. But, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting paid to do this. It's for, yeah. you know, uh, some people and, and – uh, uh, they just keep sending me names, so I just keep doing it. I love it. I you, love know, it. And, and, you know, it's people in the agent community. And I'll tell you what's interesting is that, you know, even a year ago, year and a half ago, they were only interested in doing guys for next year's, the following year's draft, mm -hmm. so to speak. That's totally changed now with NIL. Mm. I mean, I'm doing freshmen. Wow. And, and, Sometimes these guys don't play much, so you got to dig and dig and dig to uh, get some stuff on. But it's interesting because then you can follow their development. But because of NIL, they can have agents to represent them getting different NIL deals. So mm -hmm. it's profitable to the agent. You know, I had a conversation with Rosenhaus last week, and he said, Greg, I'm recruiting them in high school now. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, and, and he said, "I I got to." He said yeah. because you know they're going to get these. Some of these guys are getting big deals just to sign with some of these major colleges, mm -hmm. and uh, you know all this was legal two years ago. Not anymore. It's, it's incredible for real now. 
It's incredible. What are you drinking there? A Bud Light? No. <laughs> That's a Pepsi. I need a little caffeine. And I got water over here. There you go. I didn't know you were My mouth gets real dry when I start talking, so I got to. Yeah. You know, I didn't know I you were a cola stuff. drinker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, I don't drink coffee. Yeah. Well, I do. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'll have a, 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 you know, a caramel frappuccino every once in a while, mm-hmm. but that's cold and, and that's sweet, you know, so, but I don't like regular coffee at all. Ah, gross. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Just black, no sugar, no milk, nothing. I just love the smell of that coffee bean and that taste. Yeah, my dad was the same way. Oh, so good. Um, <laughs> my, right. my dad would get up and have, you know, two cups of black coffee. And I thought, oh, my God. And he yeah, was raring to go all day long, huh? Yeah, yeah. You ever had a Red Bull? Yeah, but I haven't had a Red Bull in a while. Yeah. I can tell you, the first time I had a Red Bull was I was at Ron Rivera used to have this um, golf tournament when he was working here for the Bears. And, uh, you know, it, it um, to raise money for different Hispanic charities. Okay. So I played in it one year, and it was over at that course at uh, the Marriott in Lincolnshire. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, right down the street from you, just about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're, there, we're at the tee of one of the holes on the back nine, and, and one girl there had um, – you know, she's working for Red Bull or whatever, something to do with Red Bull. And so she was giving everybody a bottle of Red Bull. And this is like what it was brand new stuff, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, you know, I didn't know what I was drinking. I just chugged that sucker down. <laughs> oh, uh, I was right for a little while longer. But. I was going to say, you probably played the fir- the fastest round of golf in your entire life after drinking that. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about these undrafted free agents. You know, you have looked at about a half dozen of them, so we're going to cover those guys. But do you have a headline about these uh, UDFAs? Is there one uh, kind of major theme that you saw in the acquisition, the signing of these undrafted free agents, or or do, do they all have their own individual story? Uh, they each have their own individual story. I mean, I can't speak to how this group does their UDFAs. Mm-hmm. You know, we when I was there, I'm going to say up to half of our, anywhere between 10 and 15 of our 30 visits, or potential UDFAs. Okay. Part of the reason was we wanted to get a medical on them. And so then we knew yep. if, if they were clean medically. You lost my audio. Hold on a second. I could hear you. I, this happened to me yesterday. Hold on. Very, very weird. Let me, uh, I think that, I think everybody else can hear you, but I don't think. I can hear me too. Um, and I can hear you. I don't think. Talk to me now. Okay. All right. That to yes, we are. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So anyway, um, we bring in 10 to 15 uh, before the draft as part of our 30 visits to get mainly to get the medical. We usually drafted at least one. You know, every year I was here, we took at least one non-combine guy. And every year there's 35 to 40. 
to get drafted. The Bears took two this year. The two seventh-round picks are both non-combine guys. But, you know, we, we, there's people we recruited going into the draft, and, and that was one of the things we did when we brought them in. I can't say what this group is doing because I don't know as far as, as that aspect if they go out and, and, and recruit people. Um, you know, we had them talk to the coach, the head coach, uh, the position coach, et cetera, and, you know, we, we derived a plan for them. And so tried to sell them on the plan. Now, generally after the draft, no matter what you do, it's still, you know, money talks. And the signing bonus means everything. And, you know, it's the parameters. Now, now the signing bonus in the UFA, UDFA market, the whole structure of the contracts in the last five, six years is completely changed. Mm-hmm. Used to be, you know, you'd, you'd start off. I mean, this is going back to going back years and even when I was working with the Bears. You know, you could give guys 1500 2000 2500 whatever. That'd be their signing bonus. Um, you might give one or two guys 10000 bucks. You tried to keep it at a minimum. Cliff would give us a budget. We'd have X amount of dollars to spend on, on signing bonus. And once that money was gone, we could sign guys, but they weren't getting the signing bonus. Because mm-hmm. all that money came comes out of your rookie pool that gets assigned by the league. Well, okay. the league has changed that now. And there's a given figure to every team that they can use for signing bonus. And it's well into the hundreds of thousands. Not hundreds of thousands, but 100,000, like 150,000, something like that. A lot of money that they can use, it comes out of the rookie pool, it's figured as part of the rookie pool, that they use for the undrafted free agents. But not only that, what the agents have done is there's going to be a few guys with each team that have partially guaranteed contracts. And what that means is, you know, let's say, and I don't know what the rookie minimum is now, it's got it's up close to around $900,000. And they might guarantee two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollars of that rookie minimum, and generally, what that means—that means that guy, you cut the guy, he's still getting that money, hmm. and and that's going to hit you on the cap, on hmm. the backside. But generally speaking, guys with guaranteed money like that, they are going to end up on your practice squad. Because then there's an off. If you put them on the practice squad, there's an offset on the guarantee. Yeah. So budgeting for these undrafted free agents, it's it's uh, very important how you allocate those those dollars, right? Right, and and it's going to change. I I've seen some things where guys got, you know, like a a, a forty thousand dollars signing bonus and and two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars guaranteed in the first year. And and so if you cut that guy, that's a lot of money. You're just thrown away. So you better bring him back to the practice squad. Yeah. Because then you're recouping, you know, you're getting something back for that guarantee because that, I mean, that's, God, I don't know what the practice squad money is. Now it's up probably close to $9,000 a week over Mm -hmm. the course of 18 weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a pretty good chunk of change for a 22 year old or whatever. 
So, and and by the way, practice squad money, that's the minimum. You can give a guy a regular uh, rookie or or veteran salary if you want. Mm -hmm. There's there's no limit on the upside. There is a limit on on the minimum. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about some of these UDFAs. Uh, is there any particular order you want to name a name? And then I'll talk well, let's. Uh, I don't have all the first names right in front of me, but okay. uh, Huey, big tackle from Pitt. Oh, people in the chat are already talking about Gabe Huey. Oh, he's got a good first name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> this guy's a good player, and now the deal with him is he's missed a lot of time with injuries. What the injuries are, I don't know. But he only played like six or seven games this year. He missed time in uh, 21. Uh, He's got to get by, unless they brought him in early, and I didn't see his name on the 30-visit thing, and I don't think he was at the combine. Then, you know, he's still got to get by the medical for that signing to be official. But this guy will challenge for a roster spot. No question. He's athletic enough to play on the left side, but he's a right tackle. He's big. He's nasty. Did I write down the measurables? No, I didn't write down the measurables. He did not run on the pro day. I had that. Um, But he did all the other stuff. Very good pass blocker. Good run blocker. He gets after people. He looks to finish. Uh, You know, sets a tone. You know, kind of like Darnell Wright in that he's just a nasty son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I think he's going to give Larry Borum a run for his money for that third tackle position. Now, Larry Borum, if you have to, you can play him on the left side to get you out of a game. Mm-hmm. This guy has the athleticism to do that. He also can play inside at guard. So I, I, I see some position flexibility with him. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting what he does, but let's get to the first part first. And that's, you've got to get through the medical first. And that, and by the way, that'll be, if not tomorrow, Friday morning, these guys start coming in tomorrow, not start, they will come in tomorrow. And usually they have the medical set for, it used to be when I was there. And I know for when Ryan Pace was there Thursday night, they do the medicals after mm-hmm. they're all there, and then they, they hit the field on Friday. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would think by tomorrow night you're going to know if he's going to get by a medical. You know, but uh, good good player. Yeah, I, uh, I found this little uh, piece of uh, video of him talking after his pro day. He was asked, what do you think you showed scouts out there? I think it might not be in the testing areas, but just my natural flexibility and like movement ability as an O-lineman. I think that's my natural best ability. So he admits that uh, his testing numbers aren't the greatest, but that he has natural flexibility and all of those traits that you've pointed out for what the Bears desire out of their offensive linemen, he might have in terms of getting downfield, hitting a moving target, being flexible, having some agility. So he's definitely a guy, a guy to keep an eye on. Well, one thing, when I'm doing offensive linemen, one of the first things I look for is their ability to stay on their feet. And offensive linemen can't play on the ground. Okay? Doesn't work that way. And if you watch good you watch good pro linemen, they're never on the ground. 
That's why I didn't like the Wisconsin center. I don't care where he went in the draft. I watched one game where he was on the ground 15 freaking times. Another <laughs> game when he was on the ground eight times. You can go through a whole season of a good lineman, and he's not on the ground three times. You know, it just doesn't happen. This guy stays on his feet. He's That's got good pretty. balance. He, he works well through trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it can be when, when you see guys on the ground, it could be a balance thing, could be uh, lower body strength. And so, or it could be their waist benders. They overextend, lose balance, you know, variety of different reasons. But I just call them groundhogs and I don't like them. <laughs> but, you know, so it, 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 if somebody else wants to like them, fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ever take a groundhog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, being on the ground or when you're watching tape and uh, they're turned around and watching the guy who was supposed to block is in the backfield behind them. Not a good sign. <laughs> no. So, okay. Let's next guy. Uh, Tyson, I guess you say his name, Badger, the quarterback from Shepard. Yes. Shepherd's in West Virginia. It's a D2 school. So we played at a real low level of comp. He's got good size. Uh, Getsy coached him at the senior bowl. I don't see a great arm from the tape I looked at. He's got a good arm, but he does he doesn't really drive the ball the way I'd like to see mm-hmm. the ball being driven. You know, if you're playing in a dome or something, it's not going to matter, or even in the south. But when you get up here, you're going to get away with it early in the year. But when the wind starts flying in the later part of the year and it gets cold, you better be able to drive the ball and you got to throw a tight ball. Now, for the most part, he does throw a tight ball. I just don't see, you know, any kind of rocket, so to speak. Uh, has good accuracy. Obviously, he's playing D2 ball, so it's going to be a huge jump for him to the NFL. At best right now this year, I see him as a practice squad guy, which will be interesting because your practice squad quarterback is generally your third Mm-hmm. So some teams, more and more teams are trying to keep fit, three quarterbacks on the 53. Uh, but, and you can move guys back and forth. Peterman got brought up a couple times last year, had to play some at the end of the year. So if, if in fact he's good enough to be the three, does that mean Peterson's out or Peterman's out or are they going to keep four quarterbacks? And that'll be, that'll play out in camp as, as far as how quickly he picks up things, how he looks in the preseason. And he'll get some time in the preseason, I would imagine, and then go from there. But um, interesting guy. I'm not in love with him, but a good good free agent. You know, there's an interesting story about him. His father is the world champion at arm wrestling, and he was at the combine, and he was interviewed. He became a, a media darling, and his son, you know, uh, did got all this attention because of the relationship that they have and how his father coaches him and pushes him to do better and stuff. So he's got an interesting character and it's just interesting uh, sports family. Uh, he's going to be a, a, an interesting guy to fo- a follow in camp, but uh, it'll be even more interesting to see what Andrew, uh, what's his name? Janako, the quarterback's yeah. coach of the team can do with this young guy and whether he can help him uh, get some more velocity out of those throws. Yeah, you know, going from D two to the NFL—that's that's a big jump. Now mm-hmm. we're, that's like you're you're going up like three levels of comp. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Bush Hog says he believes three quarterbacks make the rosterman roster. Besides, of course, Justin uh, Peterman uh, uh, and uh, uh, Walker and uh, Peterman or Badgent won't make it. He says, and I, I agree with that. It's going to be a battle. One of them. It, one of them is going to be the third. Right. One of them will be the third. Yes. One's going to be the third. So. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. People might not. Tell you, I like Peterman. I've always liked him. <laughs> what happened to Peterman and he gets killed for it is, first of all, I liked him when he was at Pitt. He's a pretty damn good quarterback there. Mm-hmm. And he gets into a game. Where he's got to start in Buffalo because of injuries. He gets into a game. And the first pass he throws, receiver drops the ball. like And it, he did, the ball doesn't hit the ground. It goes behind him. Okay. Gets picked. Then a couple minutes later, he throws another one. The exact same thing. Just he ends up throwing three picks in that game, two of which were not his fault. It was on the receiver. Mm-hmm. And it just killed his confidence. And mm-hmm. everything went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. You know, when he went to the Raiders and Greg Olson was his quarterback coach, and Greg used to be here. He was on uh, uh, one of Lovey's early staffs. And there might have been Zick's staff, but he was here during that time. I think he was here for part of Lovey and for Dick, but he's a good quarterback coach. He's gone on to be a pretty good offensive coordinator or quarterback coach in the league. He's been in the league, you know, for a long time. But Greg did a really good job with Peterman. You know, he's you can get a lot worse than Nate Peterman as your third quarterback. He's played a lot of football games. Uh, he's a pretty smart guy. You know, people remember what happened to him as his rookie year or second year that he had to play, and so they crucified the guy. He's not anywhere near that same player right now. Mm. Well, I got to tell you, I, you have a different opinion of Peter. No, that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I like the young man. I, I was at the Senior Bowl when he played at the Senior Bowl, but he just never showed me anything that tells me he's an NFL quality quarterback. Now, kudos well, he's to not him. a starter. I, yeah, I'm right, not right. say he's a starter. Yeah, I get you. Uh, kudos to him that he's lasted in the NFL now. What is it, five or six seasons? And so, oh, more than that now. Yeah, so he's definitely got some talent to be on roster after roster. But you're right, he's not a starter. We shouldn't expect him to be a starter, but he's a he's a good camp body. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's move on. Uh, who else you uh, got here? Okay, when I wrote this down, I might not have written the name right. Is it Baskerville or Barkerville from? The- no, it's uh, it's Baskerville. It's Mike okay. Baskerville. Yeah. Hounds of Baskerville, uh, <laughs> linebacker from LSU. Good player. Good instincts, makes a lot of plays, mm-hmm. does not have the measurables to play in this scheme or to make it in the National Football League. I'd be really surprised if he made it. He was 6003, 224, and 482. Mm. And in today's game, you're looking for guys in the four fives and four sixes to play the linebacker position. If you're a 4'8 guy, you're too slow. And that's what he is. Now, he plays faster than that. And like I said, he's a good player in LSU. I think he was our leading tackler, second leading tackler. Got pretty good instincts, but 4'8 is 4'8. 
And these guys are real big on trades. That's why he didn't get drafted. This guy just yeah. isn't fast enough. He's going to work. Could he be a practice squad guy? Yeah, very well could be, depending on what he does in the preseason. But to be on your squad, you know, at, at four eight, I would think that right now there's probably about seven eight guys in front of him. Yeah, I mean, I saw a little video on him. He plays with a nasty di- disposition. He's got uh, a lot of heart. But, yeah, he, he does seem like a camp body, and it's unlikely he will be uh, playing uh, in the NFL in 2023. But we'll we'll keep an eye on him like we will all these other guys. Uh, who's next on your list? Uh, Jalen Harris, the edge from Arizona. Okay. Now, this guy's got the measurables. 6043, 257. He's got long arms, ran a 47. Uh, pretty good athlete. Mm-hmm. The the knock I have on him, and he had, uh, I think, four and a half sacks. And he was the guy, remember going back when we, we did for the Patreon channel, we we're talking about Mock. And I said, there's two games where he got driven back on bull yes. rushes. One mm-hmm. was the game was Arizona. The other was the FCS championship game against South Dakota State. Well, this is the guy that knocked him into the quarterback a couple times uh, mm-hmm. against Arizona. So he's got that. What what he doesn't have is he's not very instinctive. He's slow to find the ball. Mm-hmm. And he okay. doesn't make, you know, like when I say slow to find the ball, the ball could be going one direction and he's going the other. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that that part's a concern. He's got some tricks. He's got to get stronger. He only did 18 reps on the bench. Um, for an NFL, that, That's not NFL quality for a defensive lineman. So he's, he's got to get stronger. Uh, he's a good effort guy. There's no question about that. He is athletic. Um, another guy that if he shows enough in camp, he could be on the practice squad right now would be by default because they don't have any edges. I still think that, you know, that they're going to sign one or two veterans shortly. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, when shortly tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow or a month from now, you know, there's only, there's only like three that are worth a darn in my opinion on the, on the market and all of them are still there and they're all probably looking for pretty darn good money. And that's why they haven't signed yet. Because yep. they've been making good money in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And if you notice, since the draft, just since, you know, starting Monday, more, all of a sudden that lull in, in veteran free agency has changed. There's been a couple guys signed every day. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And par- part of it is it, it, they don't count against the, uh, the comp formula. Mm-hmm. That, that's over with. That ended Monday afternoon. And okay. the other part is, you know, you want to wait and see what you get in the draft, and then you know what your needs are. And and that works the same way with the player. The player mm-hmm. doesn't want to go somewhere, sign a one-year contract, and find out two guys got drafted high at his position. You know, so yeah. – um, but I would think if you're an edge on the street, you'd be calling the Bears. Hey, I'm here. You need me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
See, uh, here, that's an interesting thing that you mentioned about uh, the signing these veterans and they may not, uh, their, their salary won't be part of the salary cap computation. So now for the next- Well, they're part of the salary years, cap computation. They're not part of the comp. Gotcha. The, the, you know, as far as, you know, when, when you get comp picks for UDFAs- Gotcha, that, okay. That's over. Gotcha. Now- can, the Bears can go over the salary cap for a while because they've got to build a ninety-man roster for training camp, right? And only the well, first it's, it, it, it's your it's your first fifty-one players. Fifty-one players. That's it's what the fifty-one comes. highest salary players that come gotcha. for the camp for the cap. Gotcha. All right, that makes sense. All right, who do you got next, amigo? Uh, you know, I'm going to bore people because I don't like some of these guys. Lorenz Metz from Cincinnati. Yeah. Now, this, is a, a big, this is a big dude. He six is nine, huge. 6'9", <laughs> 3'15", ran a 5'2", got long arms, 34-inch arms, did 26 reps. He's mm-hmm. from Germany. But the problem is he's just doesn't move that well. He ran 5'2". He doesn't play 5'2". He plays yeah. five five. Uh, <laughs> he's just so tall that mm-hmm. he doesn't have the the quickness and the suddenness that you really need in the NFL. Right. Again, you know there could be some developmental there when you, when you, you see him in camp. He is a tough kid. He is strong. Uh, I think his lower body's got to get stronger. His upper body's pretty strong. Um, you know, interesting. And I'm going off topic here a little bit. Okay. According to a couple of reports today, the Bears game in Europe is in Germany this year. Oh. Okay. In Munich against the Chiefs. Mm. Now that has been, now let me, and see if you remember, because I don't remember. One of the Bears draft picks was announced from a European city. I don't remember if it was an English city or a German city. But generally speaking, it's the city you're playing in. Yeah, yeah. Maybe somebody in the chat room knows because I uh, I, I don't remember. That. I mean, I got the draft on 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 tape, so I could go back and look. But you got to mm-hmm. go back and you know watch hours and hours of coverage. To do so that, that but that's going to be a regular season game. So uh, obviously, and, this, and if this if it is the the games in Munich are the twelfth and the nineteenth of November. Okay. So they're they're a little later in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, almost a hundred percent of the time, really, you get your bye week the week after that European trip. Gotcha. gotcha. So their bye would be, you know, you're going to be nine games into the season, ten games into the season when mm-hmm. you're going to get your bye. If in fact that's factual stuff. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this prospect, what I read about him, uh, where is he again, uh, Lawrence Metz, is that his coaching staff was in love with him because uh, they claimed that he was very, very coachable, came in every day wanting to learn more about the sport. Clearly, you know, playing in uh, Germany, he didn't have the same access to foot, pro football or, or any kind of football that we do here in the States. He was just thirsty for knowledge, and, and they, he would do whatever the coaches asked. And so uh, he probably is going to win some admirers in camp, but uh, his 
play probably won't be the, be the part of that. Well, you, you know, generally speaking, if they if they see something, generally speaking, you're going to try to keep that guy in the practice squad. If they mm-hmm. you know, because he's a big guy, um, he, he's got some natural t- traits. He's got length. He is aggressive. So if they see something, you're going to keep. For the most part, you keep four offensive linemen on, on the practice squad. So it'll be, again, what he does in camp is going to show. I got one other story, though, because if, in fact, the, the Bears do play in Germany. When I was with the Giants, we played a preseason game in Berlin in 1994. Mm-hmm. I did not go. That was the year I got divorced. I just, you know, and I got divorced like, in May, and this trip was first week August, so you know I wasn't going to go because you could bring Giants were going to pay to bring your family and everything. So I mean, it was it would have been a great trip. The game was in Berlin, but I heard all the stories. So, and you might remember this name because you're local. One of our scouts, old time scout, was a coach, was an old Chicago Bear and a great Chicago Bear. But we're talking way back. Ken Cavanaugh, do you remember that name? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Ken Ken went, he was a wide receiver. Back in those days, they called him split ends. Uh, and he, he's from Arkansas, which the university, he's from Louisiana, went to the University of Arkansas. World War II, he was a B-17 pilot. Mm. Flew the full 25 mission run before he got sent back home to the States. So, there in some beer garden in Berlin, you know, and having fun. It was all the scouts. And Kenny stands up and he goes, you know, the last time I was in this city, I was way up there bombing the freaking shit out of this place. (laughs) 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 Just just a funny story. (laughs) But I tell you, when Kenny, when he got a couple pops and Kenny, then he started talking about the old days. I mean, you know, no social media back then. And these guys were nuts. Uh, the stuff they used to do, he played for Hallis. And, and these guys would go out the night before and get totally hammered and then still play a game on Sunday. And, and the, the stories that they would tell, I mean, mm-hmm. to keep you up all night, he could go on and on and on. And he had that real heavy southern Louisiana accent. He's a great storyteller. How about that? Great story. You're a pretty good storyteller too, Greg. And uh, I want to remind people that they should uh, look at Greg's stories that he writes at Windy City Gridiron. Uh, let's see if I got that. Uh, that I can put it up on the screen. There it is. Check out Greg's articles at WindyCityGridiron.com. Uh, who do you got next on your list there, amigo? Uh, who do we got next here? Bobby Haskins from USC. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, another big guy, 605-7-297. Only was at USC this past fall. Was at Virginia before that. He wasn't a full-time starter at Virginia. He wasn't a full-time starter at USC. He only started a few games that I saw. Mostly a backup at left tackle. Doesn't do anything for me. Um, I, you know, I think he's a... Uh, a camp guy and that's it and if it was me he'd be like 
you know, if there's other guys I like, he'd be the first guy to go. Hmm. But I, you know, I from what I saw, did nothing for me. Greg, when when you look at these players, these undrafted free agents, and you you're trying to fill out the ninety man roster, do you get to a point where you say, "All right, well, there really isn't anyone out there that we think is capable of making this team, or is a developmental project?" But we need camp bodies, and so a guy like maybe Haskins or Player X, whoever he is. We want to bring him in because he's a guy who will do whatever we ask, and, and we, we, we're going to ask a lot of them in practice. Okay, it's a good question, and I got your answer. Because not only are these – there's only like a dozen signed guys, maybe 13 or something. Yeah. And there's a bunch of guys coming in on tryout basis. There could very well be a tryout guy that totally outplays this guy over the weekend. And if that's the case – They'll sign the tryout guy and, and cut this guy. You know, it, it's happened before. It happens all around the league that, you know, you say, yeah, well, we made a mistake on that one. We'll cut our losses right now. And hopefully, you know, they only gave him $1,500. You know, <laughs> I, you know so, um, but there are, I, I, there's a bunch of tryout guys, offensive linemen coming in uh, this weekend. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, uh, Simo likes these guys, mm-hmm. and and then uh, if he wants to let one go and bring in, you know, and sign one of the guys that was there on a tryout basis. Yeah, it, uh, I've seen many times after a day of OTAs, a, a player you know or two gets dropped, uh, and obviously you know he probably walked in not not well conditioned, and uh, the bear says, "Let's uh, get somebody else in here, huh?" Well, it just it, it might not it be it might be that he just can't do what you want him to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, to play the position. Yeah. Like yeah let's thing. move on because you know that guy did nothing for me. So watch, he'll be on the fifty-three. <laughs> this guy, after Huey, this guy is the next guy that's got a legitimate chance to make the club. Okay. Thyric Pitts from Ooh. from Delaware, wide receiver. Yeah, he's got some size, huh? 6016, 202, 445, 39-inch vertical, 10-7 long jump. This guy's a trade guy and, and a productive trade guy. Now, I didn't have the stats from last year, but, you know, at the FCS level, going back to COVID, you know, they didn't play. Mm-hmm. In the fall of 2020, so they played a very shortened season in the spring instead of mm-hmm. having spring football, and then they played again in the fall. So in that combined season, 21 spring, 21 fall, he had 72 receptions, 1,120 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Not all bad. Uh, he can run, but I don't see – Four four five speed on tape. He looks closer to a, a four five zero guy, but he's strong. He'll go up and get it. He's going to need work on his routes, which is typical. I mean, and, and part of it is you know the offense he played in at Delaware. He did not have a strong arm quarterback. Um, you know, you put this guy at a at a D one school or power five school. You know, a lot of that stuff would have been cleaned up. He's very capable of playing that 
But this guy is is got talent. There's no question about it. Um, so I would suspect he's going to challenge for a spot on the roster. And if he's got the toughness to play special teams, he may damn well make the roster. Love it. Love it. Love it. I have not seen any of his highlights or any of his tapes, so I'll be looking for that. And we'll be keeping an eye on Thyric Pitts. All right. Who do you got next, amigo? Okay. Uh, Dijon Warner, corner from Jackson State. You know, I saw some stuff people thought he was going to challenge to make the club, and then I saw his measurables, and I thought, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's 5'10", 7, 182. He ran 4'5", 8", 4'6", 3", at his pro day. So, like, below average speed. Yeah. Not anywhere near fast enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, his change of direction drills, the, the agility shuttles, were four five two and seven two four, well below the norm. Uh, and then the final thing was his alligator arms, are twenty nine and seven eighths, and for a team that just craves length, uh, mm-hmm. good player at Jackson State, but that Jackson State is low level FCS. Right. And so he's got to make a huge jump. And I just don't see him having the physical traits to be able to play in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Unless he had a, a bad day on his pro day and has a lot more speed than that 4 6 speed. Um, to me, he's an XFL player. And there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, right. XFL. My, my former team, the D.C. Commanders, are in the championship game. Or D.C. Yay! Commanders are in the championship game this weekend. Nice. Nice. Do some of the players that you helped scout are still on the roster? No. None of, nothing's the same. Really? Wow. Nothing is the same. In fact, they said the, the league sent me last week because I, I was – Doug Way, one of the only constants is Doug Whaley is – you know, was with the league. He was the assistant commissioner, and now he's the league director of player personnel. So he has actually a lesser title, probably mm-hmm. doing the same things. Um, you know, I I sent Doug a text. I said, Doug, they changed all their uniforms. We had like I think Russell was the manufacturer that right. made our uniforms in, in yeah. 2020, and everything was new this year. They're all under armor. Mm-hmm. So I said, those things were used for five games. Mm-hmm. And then the league had to fold because of COVID. I go, what the hell happened to him? He goes, we got them. You want a couple? And I said, yeah. Yeah, so for I, sure. I, I, got a home, I, I got a home and away jersey from the <laughs> nice. defenders from the 20. I, I, I just got them like on Thursday. Yeah, um, that's a historic season. <laughs> Canceled because of the pandemic. Unbelievable. That's right. Yeah. Hey, getting you back. You know what's to- sad is we were getting, we were, I tell you what, we were way above all projections. That's yeah. the sad part. Yes, exactly. wise, everything. We were way above, and, you know, we were talking to people unofficially mm-hmm. uh, with the NFL about trying to set up uh, some sort of deal where we could get some players from them the next year. Right. You know, like practice squad type guys that needed playtime. Exactly. And the way it worked, because when our season was, like, you know, their seasons, 
except for the, the, the playoff teams, their season was over and now there's only two teams playing. Mm-hmm. They can you know, walk out of that and walk into the, the off season program now mm-hmm. of a uh, NFL club where the USFL, they just started their season. Mm. You know, they're only a couple of weeks in. And, and so I think that just from a time frame, those guys are penalized. Yeah, I agree with the that. USFL guys are penalized. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, getting back just for a second regarding uh, Dijon Warren, nicknamed Nugget, because a lot of people in the chat room are are talking about, you know, that Deion Sanders really, really was pushing for this guy to get drafted and really liked to play. Does that mean anything to scouts when, uh, when the coach is, like, pounding the table saying this guy could be drafted? No. I mean, he's, he's standing up for his players like he should. Yeah. But – you know, Dion ran a four three. This guy runs a four six. <laughs> Dion could probably still beat him in a race. <laughs> that's, well, I, you know, Dion lost part of his foot. I don't know. About oh, that's that. right. That's right. That's the. Uh, but you know, he, he just corner, wide receiver, and wide receiver are stopwatch driven positions. Yeah, and unfortunately for this guy. The stopwatch didn't work in his favor. <laughs> no, it certainly didn't. All right, who's next on your list? The, no, that, that was all I did. That was all I did of the. Okay, UDFAs. so we got yeah, we got them all. Uh, those are all. I mean, there's them. more there. I just haven't had a chance to get into them. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we'll we'll hear the, the practices. I believe are open to the media, so we'll hear. Yeah. Who jumps out? Who doesn't jump out? Let me ask you a, a process question. So now, uh, after the scouts uh, and the scouting director have gotten a good amount of sleep, what are they doing now? Next year. They've already, they're I mean, like they're, new already starting? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I, I think I've said this before. The day after the draft. I'd be sitting in my office and Jerry walking, hey, big dog, what are you doing? <laughs> Come on, Jerry, it's the day after the draw. I know, but you've got to get a heads up on this stuff. You know? <laughs> but Jerry was a filmaholic. And you got to be. I mean, it, it, you don't belong in the business if you're not going to be. Uh, and Jerry was a grinder. He was the epitome of, of being a grinder. I think Brian Poles is a grinder. Uh, and so you just keep working and working and working. And, and it becomes part of your daily routine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we never had days off when I was there during from the start of the season until the draft. I mean, we work Saturdays. We work Sundays in the office. I mean, the scouts are where they live. They're all over the country, but we, we are always working. Now you might only work a half a day on a Sunday, but you work right. every Sunday, mm-hmm. even during, you know, this time of year. All right. Let's take, uh, take on a few of these questions that we've received. Uh, does, uh, Identic Fender asked this question about that RAS system, relative athletic scoring, and he right. asked, did Poles really look at those RAS scores or is it just a coincidence? Now, my response to him was that a lot of NFL teams have their own 
type of athletic scoring or measurement system. I, I don't think Ryan Poles relies on Kent Platty's uh, RAS scores, uh, do you? I, I, you know, that part I couldn't tell you. What that does, and I'm not going to say it's not good because it, right. it's just a, it's an athletic metric. Right. It's a tool. Based on, yeah, based on, so, I mean, what's it mean in, in the total scheme of things? Very little. Mm-hmm. Because there's good football players that have a low RAS. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's right. some guys with a real high RAS mm-hmm. that can't play worth a damn. Yeah. You know, it's pure athleticism. So, you know, you, you can't put a lot of stock into it. But you look at it to say, okay, this guy, you know, this guy meets the athletic criteria that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 you know, and I know a lot of fans have been critical of polls, not a lot of fans, but some fans have been critical of polls because they're saying he was focused too much on athletic traits and, and not production on the field. And actually, I think we talked about this on Monday. Uh, your response was, you know, that there's a lot of variables I'm using, I'm paraphrasing what you said, but there's a lot of variables to, you know, making these selections and overlooking somebody's great productivity in one area and, and, and selecting a guy who's athletic who may not have had the type of coaching that would have helped him, like Zach Pickens mentioned. So, right. No, there's, there's a lot. What were they being asked to do? What were they being mm-hmm. taught? Mm-hmm. What, what were, was their job within that scheme? Yeah, And sometimes when you're looking at tape, you don't have the answer to that. Right. And what is makes it difficult for people like myself when I'm looking at tape is I don't have the answers to that either because I'm not making a school call. Yeah. When right. you go into a school call, now you're, you're getting there at 7 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and you're watching tape. Now, watching tape, you don't always have, you don't have to watch tape at schools anymore. But you mm-hmm. want to go to a school to see practice and talk to coaches. And the reason why I say you don't have to watch tape is you have the games like Saturday's games you have on Monday. Mm-hmm. They're all been downloaded into, you know, for the whole country, been downloaded into your system. And you've got your laptop with you or, or your surface or whatever. And you can sit as long as you've got internet access, you can watch it yeah. wherever, you, wherever you're at. So, right. Watching tape where it used to be, you had to use that time at the school to study tape. Mm -hmm. So that makes it a lot easier for the scouts. But when they do go to the school, they are meeting with coaches. They are meeting with the trainer, the the, uh, support staff, uh, the strength coach. There's a pro liaison. Might meet with the academic uh, counselor people on the periphery because you want to find out as much about the player as you can. But when you're talking to the coach, you might talk to the coordinator or the position coach. You're trying to find out exactly what he's being asked to do. Right. So then you can, and and then if you see, like if you see a play, okay, like let's take for instance, Tyreek Stevenson and, and he got beat pretty bad in that North Carolina game. If I was making a school call, that's like the first thing that comes out of my mouth when I talk to the DB coach. Mm. What happened in the North Carolina game and why? Mm. 
Okay, so if he can answer that, so I got a sour taste in my mouth from that one game, even though all the rest of the stuff was was really good. That one scared me a little bit. And part of it is because I don't have the answers. But if I could sit down for a half hour with um, the, uh, the defensive back coach or the defensive coordinator, I'd get all the answers. That's uh, and, and that's part of the scout's job is this kind of interrogation, being in the interrogation right. business, being a detective. I love this. Who was, the, who was the running back that um, came from Miami, played a gazillion years, just retired like two years ago, played for the Colts? And, um, oh, um, come on, chat room, help me out. Running back sure. from yeah, University, from of, University Miami. of Miami. I mean, he played 15 years at least uh, and had a gazillion years. But anyway. I know you're talking about. Didn't he play for um, Frank Gore? Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Okay. I made a school call in August of his final year. And I was there with um, a guy from the Giants and who was also, you know, a good friend of mine. And so we, after practice, we were up in the running back coach's office. And uh, it was during, you know, preseason camp. And and guy, and this this guy just happened to be the pro liaison, too. And and Joe and I were the only two scouts that were there that particular day Mm -hmm. in August. So this guy had some time for us. So we're, we're asking about. Gore and he says, you know, he's got a reading problem. He's not going to test well, but he will study and work his ass off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think any, I think he came back with a Wonderlic score, single-digit Wonderlic score, which for a lot of people would, you know, really turn you off to the player or whatever, right. you know. But if you got a reading problem or a reading comprehension problem, you're going to score poorly on the Wonderlic. Right. And it's like the other stuff. You got to know what the background is. Mm-hmm. So he's telling us that Frank, he said, I've never had a, a player that was more into learning and doing it right and studying and doing whatever it took to learn. He said, I'll tell you a story. He said, he's a freshman and he's struggling with the learning part. But we just said, hey, just all your spare time, just study. And he said, so here it is. He goes, it, it's late, like on a, or early on a, on a Friday morning, mm-hmm. like two in the morning. He said, my phone rings. It's Frank Gore. Frank, what the hell are you calling me for at two in the morning? He said, coach, I just wanted to tell you I got it. <laughs> I got it. I love it. <laughs> And, that's great. And, but that told you a lot about Frank Gore. And that's why he played 15, 16 years in the league. Yeah. He got it. That's amazing. Um, I love this question from Dented Fender. He asks, is it easy to transition from a defensive end to a three tag? You got the right. No, it's not that hard. In fact, you see it happening a lot. Mm-hmm. If the guy's got the size. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if so, he doesn't, if he doesn't have the the physical traits to do it, then he, he just can't make the transition. 
but no, it's it, it's not that hard. So, uh, from a weight standpoint, what's what's do you consider the bare minimum for a three tech? Two eighty, two eighty five. Well, you know, like I go back to some like Tommy Harris. Tommy Harris was two ninety at the combine. He played between two eighty five and two ninety most of his career mm-hmm. with us, but he was six two and a half, and real low body fat. I mean, Tommy mm-hmm. Harris was probably like a. 13% body fat. That guy was put together now. Mm-hmm. And and 13% on a big guy is, is a very low percentage of body fat. Guys like uh, Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp was never more than 290 pounds. He's also only you know a little over six feet tall. And Booger mm-hmm. McFarland was about 295. And then go back to one of the greatest of all time. Remember John Randall? He was the original three technique. He's about 275, 280. Uh, they got to be disruptors. Mm-hmm. But now uh, Buckner, DeForest Buckner with the Colts, who Ballard traded for Fluce's second year there, I think. You know, he was 295, but he's also six, six and a half. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, six, seven. Uh, with, with a high degree of athleticism, these guys they just drafted. Well, first, Tank Johnson was another guy, just a hair under. He was like six two and three quarters. Uh, combine, he was about three oh two. Played between two ninety five and three hundred for us, but he ran four seven at, at two ninety five. Mm. You know, he was quick. Tommy Harris ran four six eight. So mm. you you got to be athletic and explosive. And these guys they drafted last week are a little bit bigger than we were taking. We talked about this Monday, but they're just not quite the equal of, of Tank and Tommy, but pretty damn close. Okay. Uh, but but they got a little more girth to them. Um, Pickens was only two ninety one at the combine but he played at 300 during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paul said after, you know, that, that presser, I don't know if it was after day two or day three, but he said that, uh, you know, he'll probably be somewhere in between for us because, you know, they, he, he described, you know, what Jimmy Arthur does as far as lean weight, muscle mass, et cetera. Same okay. thing I say, he just used different words. Uh, so he, he, you know, when the, when it's all said and done, he's going to be a two hundred ninety-five to three hundred pound player with a high degree of athleticism. So, but now Keon White, Keon White was is six five and he weighed two eighty five and he's got low body fat. Mm-hmm. You know, you could probably put five six pounds on. To me, he's an ideal three. You know, because of the the athleticism the natural size, the explosiveness that he has. And, but he also, he's a type, you know, he's got scheme versatility and that he could be a three in this scheme. He could be a, a left end in this scheme, but he could be a five technique in another scheme. Mm. You know, there's some guys who are, are stuck to a scheme. You know, could Tommy Harris have played a five technique in a three-man front? Well, he could have, but 
he probably wasn't going to be the player that he was here. Mm. You know, so, you know, part of it is being the, the right player for the right scheme. Yeah. This is an interesting comment from Troy. He says, we're a three-tech and a center from winning the division. Who needs edge rushers? When did that become a position? I swear, nobody called Lawrence Taylor an edge or Richard Dent. Well, what it's because what, what happened to it is because right now, the way the game's played, you know, you're playing a majority of the time in, in sub. And so your three, four outside linebackers are pass rushers. And sub, but they're outside linebackers and base. So, what are they? They're edge. Mm-hmm. They're playing on the edge. So that they just changed the name. That's all. To mm-hmm. really be all inclusive for four, three defensive ends and three, four outside linebackers. And mm-hmm. if you notice during the draft, some of these guys like B.J. Ojolari and a couple other guys, they were quote drafted as linebackers. Right. You know, it, it, it's who. So took them, and what's their scheme? Yeah, exactly. But in, in the in, in the end, they're yeah. freaking pass rushers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Renewable asks: Is there a staff focused on other teams' caps and who they will possibly be cutting or possibly need to trade to comply with the salary cap? Good, quick question. Well, that there, everybody has to be under the cap now. You had to be under right. the cap. The 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 first day of the league year, which was back in March when free mm-hmm. agency started. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's part of pro scouting is, and, and the people that won the, the salary cap is, and, and part of it's looking at what they draft. And right. is there somebody that could be vulnerable because they're making X amount of dollars or too much right. money. Um, in reality, you want to trade for him because then you're picking up that contract that might be too high. Right. And he's going to get cut. And if he's a veteran that gets cut, then the, the contract, uh, if he's a vested veteran, meaning he's got four years in the league, he becomes a free agent the minute he gets cut. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go through waivers. And so now that contract's null and void, you, 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 start from scratch and you do a new contract with them. Yeah, I think uh, the, the recent example of Khalil Mack is sort of an example of that is that Ryan Pace at the time of the acquisition said that they have been thinking about perhaps acquiring Mack because they knew of his situation with the Raiders. They knew that he was in a contract uh, problem and that the Raiders were having salary cap challenges. And so they were kind of keeping an eye on that situation for months before the trade. But yeah. Well, he wanted out of, out of Oakland too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There was a, there was a couple different things with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're, you're, you're always aware of it, but you want to get them at your cost, not their cost. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so you got to look at it that way. I think that's why guys like Floyd and um, and Gakwe are still out there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still looking for more than what teams are willing to pay them. Right. right. And sooner or later, you're going to get further along into the offseason and they're going to want to work and they're going to say, okay, I'll take a one-year deal at your number. 
<laughs> or, or you know, or maybe you can find something in in between. And right. because you know, not only do they want to work, they got to work. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, either way, they're going to get millions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. not like you know, like in, in Floyd's case, he was making like thirteen million a year. He's not going to make thirteen million now. No, you know, he might make six. What right. lost you there? Oh. Do you are we on there? Because I lost you here. I uh, I don't see you. I can hear you. Uh, yeah, well, uh, let me see what happened here. There we go. Because I got my go. phone. Yeah, I got my yeah. phone going here instead of my laptop. Uh, so you know, it, it, it's negotiation. Exactly. And, um, and you got to be. You can't panic. But you've got to have a good relationship with the agent because and and hope that the agent's going to be fair with you especially if it's a guy you really want mm -hmm. you know and say hey and now you know he's going to lie to you a little because he's trying to get as much money as he can for his client but you got to say hey uh you know baltimore's willing to cough up six mil yeah can you exactly. match that because we know your situation is is the same you know right. so then and then you're in your head, you're probably going, well, it's really probably five and a half, you know, mm -hmm. but, but that that's the agent doing his job. Um, got a question here. I think we, we kind of addressed either last show or, or a couple of shows ago. Do you think there's anyone on the team right now that has trade value and players that you think might be moved or should be moved? And, and if so, why? Right now? No. Um, I think they're they're piecing together the team they they want to piece together. Right. The guys they didn't want aren't here. Right. They've done that. Uh, mm -hmm. They've got plenty of money, so it's not like they're up against the cap and they got to cut somebody. So what happens with fans? And I and I hate like criticizing fans because they're the whole reason we play. But at the same time, they're not realistic. And right. and you know. Yeah, like you draft the wide receiver, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, or you draft two corners. So right away, Johnson's on the trade market. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that. What's wrong with having a bunch of good corners in your corner room? Exactly. You, you know, that. it's called depth. Exactly. And, and things will take care. That doesn't mean you're going to get rid of somebody. The one mm -hmm. thing that drives me nuts is, is everybody's convinced they don't have a center. Mm -hmm. That's from the fans. Mm -hmm. Over to Hall, 1920 football drive. They're convinced they got two centers. Yeah, exactly. Do you, Did you see uh, them draft one? No. <laughs> Did they then, sign one? No. No. <laughs> and you you have been saying that for weeks, you know. You right. and and, and uh, so it. Uh, you know, the idea, I think you mentioned with the idea of having a rookie center with a rookie right tackle and a second-year left tackle, probably not a good and, idea. And really, for Rob Tuts-Persons, Jenkins is a second-year guy. Mm -hmm. And now he's playing it. You know, if he ends up playing on the left side, he's at another new position. Um, you know, so you got to have a, the guy in the middle. He's the glue. Mm -hmm. He's going to keep them together. You only got two vets. Right. 
Um, Bush Hog wants to know, do you think on passing downs, Edmonds can move to the edge and no. sub someone in for him? You no. don't think so, huh? No, he's not a pass rusher. And they want him playing that center field kind of Erlacher right. position, no, right? He, he did it a little bit, not very much in college. Mm -hmm. And he was used to blitz every once in a while for Buffalo, but never put – I mean, you look at his size and you say, uh, boy, he should be able to play the edge and, and rush the pass. Goes, no, it's not part of their, their skill set. In fact, go back to Brian Erlacher. He's in the Hall of Fame. Don't want to know the worst thing he did? Rush the passer. That was the worst part of his game because people would get into his legs and they knew it. And then he just, you know, that was the most difficult thing for him to overcome. Yeah, of course, he got some sacks on some blitzes and stuff. But when you hit him and you hit him low, he was out of the play. But mm -hmm. in coverage... He was outstanding. Hmm. And part of that was he was a safety. And Edmonds is the same way. Yeah. They're yeah. very, very, they got very, very similar traits. I think you can probably rush the passer better than Brian could, but hmm. he's not a guy you can use to uh, uh, be an edge. And, and then people were saying the Sewell, well, we can put Sewell down as a defensive end or an edge guy. He's, he didn't do it at Oregon. He's got 31 in charms. Yeah, you know, that's not gonna work. <laughs> you know, I keep going back to the simple things. They tell mm -hmm. you over and over, size, speed, length. Yep. And how many times do they say length? So when you see somebody's got 31 and a half inch iron playing that position, he does not have the length right. to play on the edge. Exactly. Yep. Uh you said it so much, you've drilled it into me, and I, I keep I, I keep mentioning it to my wife. Honey, <laughs> length, I better not go there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> BG147 wants to know something off topic here. Greg, uh, do you recall any red flags with Alex Brown? Uh, BG expected him to be taken higher than the fourth round, and I recall some hush-hush talk about off-the-field character issues or stuff. Do you recall no, anything about that? Yeah. yeah, Alex would come into my office about, once a month, knocking on the door. Will you explain to me why the fuck I lasted until the fourth round? <laughs> and this would be four years, four years into the league. And I'd always say this thing. I'd start laughing, and of course he would, because by, by this time he's just busting my balls. And he'd just say, Alex, we're the, we're the people who took you. We're the ones who, we had the love affair. Why are you asking me? There's 31 other teams out there to ask. But I do know for a fact that the Giants were trying to trade up, and they called us to trade up for that pick just to take him. So mm -hmm. he was going in the fourth round. Yeah. Great question. Uh, but he, he did have – he had some inconsistent play in college his mm -hmm. last year. And, and he his speed was like 4'8". Okay. But he That's played – Four six five, yeah. okay. and he was 248 pounds coming out. Mm -hmm. So size wasn't great for a defensive end, mm -hmm. but he was fired up when he got here. That's for damn sure. He wanted to 
you know, he played with a chip on his shoulder and he wanted to prove people wrong. And he did. He had a great career. He did. He's one of our favorites. A uh, couple of fun questions here. Uh, Laz is asking, uh, you already got the golf clubs out. Uh, you're going to hit the links uh, this weekend, Greg. Uh, no, not I haven't swung a club since October. So I'll get yeah. to it, but it's not going to be this week. It's going to be like 75 degrees or, or higher than that. And well, then Friday, Christ has been winter the last week. I know, right? That's crazy Chicago weather. And then finally, you know, Monday I get up early to go to the gym. Huh? And there, I, you know, I got real early on Monday to go to the gym. It was like five o'clock. I was in the car going over, and there's a mix of snow and rain. And I'm going, freaking April or May 1st here. This is rain shit. Yeah, you tweeted that out. I I saw that tweet. Yeah. Come on. Our buddy Frank noticed that you removed the three voodoo dolls and put up two bears helmets, and he's a. Well, I got. I had the one helmet there. I put another one there, and I got a giant's helmet downstairs. I should bring. I, I was thinking about going downstairs and get the giant's helmet and bring it up. The voodoo dolls are right here. I got one right over here. <laughs> there it is. Oh my goodness! I think it's creepy. I know they are, but. <laughs> You know what's funny is when I was doing the thing on WGN with Jared Payton, I Jared said the same thing. What the hell are those things? And I said, Jared, you're going to have to talk to my wife about that. And she'll kick your ass. I love it. I love it. All right, everybody. Uh, we're going to pull the plug on this episode of GTF Gabriel Talks Football. And I want everybody on their way out the door, on your way out the bar room, hit the like button, leave a comment, let people know uh, about uh, this great show. And uh, Greg and I are going to talk about what we'll be doing in the offseason and upcoming uh, season. So I'm not quite sure when we'll be back. Maybe next week, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But uh, we'll be talking about it. And we'll get something done and let everybody know. That sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. By the way, uh, I gotta share this one with Greg. Oh, we stole got another. You got a question there already? No, Greg stole oh. the doll from Tales from the Hood. <laughs> no, no. My, my wife got. There's three of them. They're not one. There's three. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but my right. neighbor's comment it was the best because you know he lives in Vegas now, but mm-hmm. he lived he lived four doors down for thirteen years and. Has been in this house a gazillion times, and he had never noticed him. And they've been sitting there for years. Oh my goodness! Okay. Never noticed him, and so he he watches the show a lot. And if he's watching tonight, hi Todd, how you doing? And mm-hmm. uh, he um, he sends me a, a screenshot, and he cl- does a close up on the dolls, and he goes. What you know, WTF are those? <laughs> How many times have you been in this house? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, now my wife starts laughing about it because I tell her how many comments people, you yeah. know, because they are they are kind of freaky, but you know, yeah. my wife's in retail, high-end retail fashion, mm-hmm. and uh so that stuff. You know, she likes that stuff. And you yeah. think of my house. I mean, she I, she decorated it, not me. She's done a good job. She's got job. beautiful taste, outstanding taste. You know, they remind me a lot of my grandmother. She was involved for a number of years. She was involved in this 
uh, cultish Christian religion called Santeria, which is really a lot of voodoo stuff. And she would have all these really spooky looking religious dolls. So when I would see your three dolls over your shoulder, it reminded me of those weird episodes over at my grandmother's house. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my stepson and his partner, they, they just bought a house. They've been living in apartments in, in uh, uh, the Miami area for God. Well, he's been down there about 10 years now. And he's been living with Pammy for probably six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And, they could never find a house. Mm-hmm. And every time he found a house, there was just something wrong and he didn't want to pay that much. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, a nice story because they started looking up north of Miami and, and they found some houses that actually say was built this house, uh, a Toll Brothers community. And the house was going to cost like with what they wanted about 1.2 millions mm-hmm. so I go, oh, I'm not gonna spend that that's crazy yada 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 so <laughs> for years they're looking for a house mm-hmm. and they put offers in on houses and couldn't get them still live in an apartment and then let me tell you something rental places down there are way up here I mean they were wow. spending six grand a month on rent holy cow uh, so he and I'm not lying now. They they moved out of one place because they were going to raise the rent to seventy five hundred dollars. So they moved out of that, moved to a place a little further south, uh-huh. you know, near Coral Gables, where the University of Miami is. So they finally find a house. This is and they put an offer in. It went on the market like on one day they had it. They bought it the next day, mm-hmm. and it cost them north of two mil. Oh, and goodness. But anyway, my my wife now is doing the uh, the decorating of that house. Oh, cool! But it's so like different because that is an ultra modern Miami house. Mm. It's only you know it's only like twenty eight hundred square feet, mm-hmm. but you know it's got a lanai and a pool and all that. So you, you know there's a lot of outdoor space. Um, but she's going to have a ball with that because this is, this house is very traditional. That house is going to be the total opposite from traditional. That'd be a great project for her. We'll have to have you guys over because my wife wants to start doing some redecorating here. So we could use uh, some professional guidance. Um, all right, uh, Greg, another great show. The uh, reviews are in. Four or five stars, thumbs up. Uh, so uh, we will uh, uh, talk to you soon. Make sure you follow us at Barroom Network and follow uh, Greg at G-G-A-B-E Football and uh, subscribe to the Barroom Network here on YouTube to get all your alerts when we are live. Until next time, we will uh, see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. See you later. Thank you. Thank you.